Cherry Hill Volvo, we have absolutely incredible offers and a plethora of both new and certified Volvos from which to choose. We are eager to offer amazingly competitive prices, plus an additional $1,000 Costco discount on all new Cherry Hill Volvos. When leasing or purchasing a new or certified Cherry Hill Volvo, you become a valued part of our team. Join Cherry Hill Volvo for the pricing and attention you deserve. I am Judith Krepnick, president of Cherry Hill Volvo. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Politics, culture, chaos. It's time to make sense of it all. It's time to have a little fun. This is your afternoon dose of sanity. This is the Rich Zioli Podcast. All right, Biden just wrapped up his uh, reading of a teleprompter, contradicting himself all over. It was his decision. It's Trump's fault. It was a success. There was no other way but chaos. No other way to exit but chaos, but it had to be this way. The mission was designed this way. Nobody could have predicted it this way. I mean, just all over the place. Unbelievable. Good afternoon. How are you today? What's going on? This is why I do this afternoon podcast now, because everything, everything is coming out in the afternoon. Uh, It's just amazing in this world in which we live now. It all comes out in the afternoon. So uh, let's begin, first of all, with some audio of the president today. Uh, he left just a few minutes ago, did not take questions again. Although there was this moment where he turned towards the podium, I guess, to get something. And I, I actually thought he was going to take questions. And then I was like, psych! And then, and then he just walked away. We got the old back. Got the old presidential back again. So, you know, there you go. Uh, he's blaming Americans who were left behind in Afghanistan. He's blaming them. He's blaming the victims here. This is this is where we'll begin right now, and this is this is just shameful, in my opinion, that he's bl- blaming the victims. Uh, by the way, the uh, the Secretary of State Anthony Blinken is is now speaking. Uh, he's also blaming the uh, the victims as well, and then I guess now the White House is going to have a briefing soon as well. So I I, I could I, I guess I could wait till seven or nine o'clock and do this podcast tonight, but. Let me let me at least just get started and we'll see where we go from here. Uh, this is Biden blaming the Since victims. Since March, we reached out 19 times to Americans in Afghanistan with multiple warnings and offers to help them leave Afghanistan all the way back as far as March. After we started the evacuation 17 days ago, we did initial outreach and analysis and identified around 5,000 Americans who decided earlier to stay in Afghanistan, but now wanted to leave. Our Operation Allied Rescue ended up getting more than 5,500 Americans out. We got out thousands of citizens and diplomats from those countries that went into Afghanistan with us to get bin Laden. We got out locally employed staff of the United States Embassy and their families, totaling roughly 2,500 people. We got thousands of Afghan translators and interpreters 
and others who supported the United States out as well. Now we believe that about 100 to 200 Americans remain in Afghanistan with some intention to leave. Most of those who remain are dual citizens, longtime residents who had early decided to stay because of their family roots in Afghanistan. The bottom line, 90 percent of Americans in Afghanistan who wanted to leave were able to leave. 90 percent who wanted to leave. And for those remaining Americans, there is no deadline. We remain mm-hmm. committed to get them out if they want to come out. Six. Now, we have heard countless stories of Americans trying to leave and getting turned away by the Taliban at the checkpoints. Countless stories. I played you, Ryan Mannion, Travis Mannion Foundation, on the show on Friday saying, Rich, a family from Philadelphia, turned away by the Taliban at the checkpoint. We've heard so many stories about that. And again, Biden's lying again. He wants you to think, on the one hand, the only people left behind in in Afghanistan are people that had dual citizenship and wanted to stay. But then he says, 90% of Americans who wanted to leave, we got out. So that means 10% of the Americans who wanted to leave, you didn't get out. And then he blames them. Well, we issued you multiple warnings. You also told them not to come to the airport on multiple occasions. You also let the same people we were fighting 20 minutes ago run the checkpoints, and they were turning them away. So, I, you know, this is, the, I mean, this, first of all, this speech was all over the place. It was all over the place. The contradictions in this speech were, were all over. And if he actually paid attention to what he was reading, he might have even noticed the contradictions. But he didn't because he's not really paying attention. He's just reading words on a screen. But if he did, if he did pay attention, he, he might have noticed what we all noticed, which is the, the constant contradicting of, of everything in the speech here. Uh <clears throat> Biden called the chaotic withdrawal an untold and extraordinary success. This chaotic withdrawal. And again, the the important point here, remember, is that this is not to say we should have stayed in Afghanistan forever. And that's the, again, the the Faustian bargain that Biden is trying to present. It's either we we had this chaotic, ridiculous exit or we were going to be in war with Afghanistan forever. But we stopped fighting the civil war in Afghanistan nearly seven years ago. We had just been there in a presence since 2015. We had nothing to do. It was counterterrorism. That's all we were doing. It was just a counterterrorism mission. That's all it was. It wasn't fighting anymore in the, in this, in the civil war, but this is the choice. It was either a leave in chaos, like a child design, this evacuation plan, or B stay in Afghanistan, fighting a civil war forever and ever and ever. And at the same time, what a success this chaotic exit was. And if we hadn't done the chaotic exit, we'd be there forever and ever and ever. They're just the contradictions are mind-boggling. This night in Kabul, the United States ended 20 years of war in Afghanistan. The longest war in American history. We completed one of the biggest airlifts in history with more than 120,000 people evacuated to safety. That number is more than double what most experts thought were possible. No nation, no nation has ever done anything like it in all of history. The only the United States had the capacity and the will and ability to do it, and we did it today. The extraordinary success of this mission was due to the incredible skill, bravery, and selfless courage of the United States military and our diplomats and intelligence professionals. 
For weeks, they risked their lives to get American citizens, Afghans who helped us, citizens of our allies. And- okay, so you hear him taking success, right? Then he goes on to say that the chaotic exit was inevitable. So then he goes on to say that it was a chaotic exit and that it was inevitable at the same time. Now some say we should have started mass evacuation sooner. And couldn't this have been done, have been done in a more orderly manner? I respectfully disagree. Imagine if we'd begun evacuations in June or July, bringing in thousands of American troops and evacuating more than 120,000 people in the middle of a civil war. It was not a civil war. There still would have been a rush to the airport, a breakdown in confidence and control of the government. And it still would have been very difficult and dangerous mission. The bottom line is there is no evacuation evacuation from the end of a war that you can run without the kinds of complexities, challenges, and threats we faced. None. Okay, so in, in what he's reading in that section contradicts what he reads at the beginning of the speech, which is to pat himself on the back and say this was an amazing, amazing withdrawal from Afghanistan. And don't forget, he promised over the summer that this would be an orderly, orderly transition. Said it back in April. This was going to be fine. Everything's going to work out great. This was going to be, ah, this was going to be fantastic and no problem at all. Now, whose fault is this that we left in this matter? His fault or Trump's fault? That's what I want to understand. Who, whose fault? Because he blames Trump in the speech. He also takes full credit for everything that happened here. And what I what I don't understand here is 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 how does, how is it both exactly? How can it possibly be both? So Joe Biden here conceding that all of this was his decision. Ready? He it was his decision as commander in chief. In April, I made a decision to end this war. As part of that decision, we set the date of August thirty first for American troops to withdraw. All right. So he made the decision to end this war. And yet, a few moments after that, and again, he then blames Trump again in the speech. Now, why is the question? <laughs> why? Uh, and you know the answer to that, right? The answer to that is because it's it's very easy to just keep confusing people and distracting them instead of just taking responsibility. So here's the part where he blames Trump. The Taliban was in his strongest military position since 2001, controlling or contesting nearly half of the country. The previous administration's agreement said that if we stuck to the May 1st deadline that they had signed on to leave by, the Taliban wouldn't attack any American forces. But if we stayed, all bets were off. So we're left with a simple decision either follow through on the commitment made by the last administration and leave Afghanistan or say we weren't leaving and commit another tens of thousands more troops going back to war. That was the choice, the real choice, between leaving or escalating. See, the choice was between leaving in a chaotic cluster F or staying and bringing in every troop we have and fighting forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. See the false choice that I mean? And again, it was my decision to, to end this war. My, my choice. I'm in charge. It was my decision. Oh, but also I, my hands were tied because of Donald Trump and there was nothing I could do. 
And this goes back and forth, back and forth. Now, Biden acknowledges that the Taliban stopped people from being able to evacuate. He, he acknowledges that. But then he also goes around and says the Taliban is going to help people to get safe passage. So this is, again, another... The Taliban has made public commitments, broadcast on television and radio across Afghanistan, on safe passage for anyone wanting to leave, including those who worked alongside Americans. Yeah, I'm we sure that that's exactly... by word alone, but by their actions. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it's exactly it. All those people that worked alongside Americans, I'm sure they're hearing this on 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 the radio and they're going to come rushing to the taliban for safe passage oh yeah no i'm sure it's exactly what's going to happen right they're just going to come rushing over yes hey safe passage it's fantastic give give, take me take me take me even though i know you want to kill me even though i know you want to you want to cut my tongue out and you are cutting people's tongues out but bring bring yeah no i'll do it I'll, i'll i'll come to you oh man this this is amazing this is amazing Biden disputed the suggestion that Americans should have been evacuated before he abandoned the U.S. bases in Afghanistan. So this is the big point of controversy that a lot of people have had. Why do you bring the military home first and not the civilians? Because what I would have suggested doing was you bring the civilians home and the last plane out of Kabul is the last group of soldiers. It's the last military flight. And while they're loading everybody onto the last plane, they're pointing their guns out into the into the night and they got drones overhead they got planes overhead they got f- fighter planes and drones overhead and they know you mess with us you're all dead and then psh, we're out of afghan airspace instead you leave the military you send them home you have the taliban provide security for you you have the taliban the same people we were fighting 20 minutes ago provide checkpoints and then you risk all these people's lives. And you have this cluster that happens, 13 service members dead, countless Americans left behind, and Biden is still standing by this absurd idea that this was the way to do it, that this was the way you do it. I take responsibility for the decision. Now some say we should have started mass evacuation sooner. And couldn't this have been done, have been done in a more orderly manner? I respectfully disagree. Imagine if we've begun evacuations in June or July, bringing in thousands of American troops and evacuating more than 120,000 people in the middle of a civil war. Okay, so you see now again, this is, and I I know I played this clip earlier, but this is, it's just, I want to highlight this point. Bringing home all of these troops in the middle of a civil war, the civil war, we have not been fighting the civil war since 2015. But again, he's doing the slight little hand, the slight little hand, right? What we've been saying is, no, you should have brought the civilians home before the military. Biden's acting like, oh, it's just a matter of we should have just brought the military home sooner. No, no, no. What we're saying is you should have brought the civilians home sooner and left the military there. That's what you should have done. That's what would have worked. That's what everybody with a brain is saying to you. Nobody is suggesting that bringing people home in, 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 in June or July was going to change anything if you still brought the military home first. It's always about when you bring the mil- you brought the military home before you brought home the civilians. That's the problem. That's the problem. And look, you know, I, as, I, as, I, as I hear this now, all I keep thinking to myself is the White House press briefing starts right now from Jen Snarky. All I keep thinking right now is at some point... History is going to judge this, and history is going to have to be very, very harsh on this president. 
Because I, I have a feeling people are about to forget and the media is about to start defending him. That's what worries me right now. Let me try to go to Jen Snarky's uh, press briefing right now at the White House and see if we can get a little bit of, uh, of this, if I can... Uh, if I can jump in here to this, the Anna, magic of to this. Meet with the governor and survey the damage from Hurricane Ida. Administrator All right, you know, while she's talking about that, let me uh, play some more audio for you of the president. And I'll come back when she starts taking her, her questions and starts giving her snarky answers. All right, so uh, NBC's Richard Engel just absolutely just went after the president after this speech. I thought this was great. He just... Just went after him. Take a listen to this now. We will see if Afghanistan ever again is used as a launch pad for for terrorists. Uh, but already uh, ISIS is accommodating with uh, with the Taliban to a degree. I spoke to a Taliban commander and he said that their approach is going to be to fight ISIS, but also to bring them into the fold, to bring them into the ranks. Uh, Al Qaeda still has very close uh, connections to uh, to Al uh, to to the Taliban. Uh, they have fought side by side See? together mm-hmm. for the last 20 years. And there are numerous reports that al-Qaeda leaders are going back in, going back home, uh, being welcomed in some cases as heroes back in Afghanistan. Then there is also the inspirational aspect uh, of all of this. It doesn't necessarily have to be that the next Osama bin Laden is sitting in Tora Bora, is sitting in Afghanistan. It is the example of what has just happened, the example that a small group of Islamist fighters can push out a superpower that could inspire the next bin Laden. So uh, Pr- President Biden talked a lot about the, the this war being uh, yesterday's threat, that it had gone on too long, and a lot of Americans support leaving, uh, leaving Afghanistan. But he didn't talk very much about the current dangers, the current situation, the threats that we face today because a state in Central Asia has collapsed. It is now being controlled by the Taliban. The Taliban still have relations with other extremist groups. No real indications that they're going to break those, uh, those, those ties. And the region itself is very, very nervous about further instability. Iran is spreading its influence. Pakistan, which has 200 million people and nuclear weapons, shares a border with uh, with Afghanistan, many tribal connections, many militant groups just on the Pakistani side of the border who could very easily be inspired by what has happened in, the, uh, in Afghanistan. So when you talk about future threats, I think you need to recognize that what has happened right now is also extraordinarily dangerous for Afghans, for the regions, and potentially also for Americans. I'm going to play you two clips back to back here. One is Biden taking responsibility. One is then Biden blaming Trump. Okay? This is the back and forth nature of this. No no doubt about it. This is the, the, the fact that this speech contradicted itself in so many different places, in so many different ways here today, as the president wrapped up his speech. I take responsibility for the decision. Mm-hmm. Now some say we should have started mass evacuation sooner. And couldn't this have been done have been done in a more orderly manner? Okay, so I played you that part. I take responsibility. Then the president says, this was Trump's fault. Here we go. Ready? Here you go. There are those who would say we should have stayed indefinitely for years on end. They ask, why don't we just keep doing what we were doing? Why do we have to change anything? The fact is, everything had changed. My predecessor had made a deal with the Taliban. 
When I came into office, we faced a deadline, May 1. The Taliban onslaught was coming. See, so it was my predecessor's fault, even though I changed the deadline, but it was my predecessor's fault, even though I take responsibility. I chose to end the war. This is the back and forth nature of this. Let me uh, jump in here a little bit to the White House press briefing here. West Virginia, Pennsylvania, D.C., and elsewhere. In the Gulf Coast, search and, ter- and rescue efforts are underway. Twelve urban search and rescue teams are currently operational in Louisiana to support state and local. Right, she's still doing the storm stuff. I, I think the frustration, too, again, from my perspective, as somebody who was more than happy to see the war in Afghanistan end, is that they keep playing this false game of, well, this is the only way it could have ended in this absolute disaster with Americans left on the ground. Oh, and by the way, the Americans left on the ground, it's their fault. It's their fault they're still there. It's their fault. Oh, and by the way, the Taliban will help them. The Taliban, which was, we we faced an onslaught from the Taliban. Remember that too, in that clip that I just played. And this is a good point, right? In that clip that I just played, Biden says we faced an onslaught from the Taliban, but those same people, the same people, are the ones that we're relying on to get our people home. There are those who would say right? we should have stayed in stayed. My predecessor. For years on end. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They ask, why don't we just keep doing what we were doing? Everything changed. Yep. Why do we have to change anything? Everything changed. He does that the whisper. The fact is, everything had changed. My predecessor had made a deal with the Taliban. When I came into office, we faced a deadline, May 1. The Taliban onslaught was coming. See? We faced one of two choices. Follow the agreement of the previous administration and extend it to have or extend to have more time for people to get out. Or send in thousands of more troops and escalate the war. So if the Taliban onslaught was coming, that means we can't we can't trust the Taliban. The Taliban onslaught was coming. And, and, and the same Taliban now is the same people who's going to provide safe passage to everybody and, and help people get home. Do, do, you under, do, do you see what I mean about the contradictions here? The contradictions that are, that are all over this speech? The, the, the very same Taliban onslaught that was coming is the same group of people, the Taliban, who will now be getting our people home. Who'll be getting our people home, the Taliban. Broadcasting it on radio, promising safe passage. And the nations of the world will be watching them and wagging their finger at them if they don't help. If, if the Taliban doesn't help, if the Taliban lets us down, we're going to be very, very upset. We're, going to be not, we're not going to be happy with you. We're going to be very upset with you, Taliban. Like the Taliban's going to care. You know, like the Taliban gives a damn what the world or the U.N. thinks. Bottom line, 90 percent of Americans in Afghanistan who wanted to leave were able to leave. And for those remaining Americans, there is no deadline. We remain committed to get them out if they want to come out. Secretary of State Blinken is leading the continued diplomatic efforts to ensure safe passage for any American, Afghan partner, or foreign national who wants to leave Afghanistan. In fact, just yesterday, the United Nations Security Council passed a resolution that sent a clear message about the international community expects the Taliban to deliver on moving forward, notably freedom of travel, freedom to leave. And together, we are joined by over 100 countries that are determined to make sure the Taliban upholds those commitments. So we're joined by 100 countries to make sure that the Taliban will uphold those commitments. The Taliban onslaught was coming. 
But you have to make sure, and don't forget, by the way, the Taliban is going to help everybody get home. We, we, we had to do it in this chaotic nature because the Taliban onslaught was coming, but the Taliban will help all of you. Does this any of this make sense to you, or does this sound like gigantic spin? Let's cut through the BS. This is the Rich Zioli Podcast. Um, is there any sense of if and how many Americans might have left today? Is there even a way to track that for the U.S. government at this point? Well, I will say we remain in touch through a range of means of communication, email, text, WhatsApp. Uh, that's uh, something that we could certainly do from here, but also having a presence in Doha and diplomats in the region will enable that to happen uh, locally or re- close by as well. Uh, I don't have an update for you on the numbers, um, but uh, that's something the State Department would have the best assessment of. Um, we have asked and talked a little bit about the president's mood over the last few days or his you know his sense of all of this a few of us observed he seemed angry yeah he was angry that is a good observation Uh, who's he mad at I would say all of you for I'll give you a different assessment of what I saw uh, which is that he gave a forceful assessment uh, laid out a forceful let me pause it for a second you know what I think I think they fired him up with whatever injections they give him and they gave him a little, like a, like a, like a little too much. Like, just like a, you know what I'm saying? Like a, like if they normally give him five milliliters of whatever the hell it is they do to keep, they get him walking, they gave him like five milliliters in like a, like a little, like a topper. Like a top, you go to the bar, you know the bartender? Like Kathy, the bartender that I know at our pool. Yeah, she was like, man, like a Kathy, maybe just like a little, you know, like a little top off. Because he was fired up, Jack. He was fired up. And a couple times, though, you could tell it was starting to crash. It started to come down a little bit. And then all of a sudden, it was like, whoa, he's back up again. It was back up again. Right? Versus the other night, he came out, looking like, 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 like they dug him up, and he was reading off a teleprompter. Today, it was forceful. So I, I said, I tweeted out, I'll have what he's having today. I'll have what, Right? Give me some of that, especially when I got to get up at 4 a.m. on a good day. To the American people as to why it was time to wind down a 20-year war uh, that has uh, led to the loss of thousands of lives. And in his view, I think he made a firm case of this. It's not in our national security interest to be on the ground anymore. In the North Korea, the the ongoing situation, what's your current understanding of uh, what they're doing with their nuclear program? And is there any renewed outreach to Kim Jong-un and his regime? Well, uh, well, we I'm have sure they think uh, we're a bunch of wimps and right obviously now, reached so. out through our channels. I don't have an update uh, for you in terms of uh, any response to our offer. Offer remains to meet anywhere, anytime, without preconditions. We're obviously aware of the reports we've seen over the last 24 hours, and we're closely coordinating with our allies and partners on developments uh, and assessing closely. Go ahead, Jeff. And the president said in his remarks just a short time ago that uh, in April, a deadline was set for August 31st. In fact, in his April remarks, he set a deadline for September 11th. So what changed yeah, well, good point. over these last good few months point. between the August 31st deadline and the September 11th initial deadline? Was that a deadline agreed to, a new, a new time frame agreed to by the Taliban or suggested by them or by this administration? Or what's the discrepancy there? The military uh gave their assessment that they needed 120 days to uh, wind down our presence in Afghanistan. So we abided by that. But in the April speech, September 11th was the date. 
the August 31st date just arrived um, between April. It was an arbitrary date. That's the point. Bases strategic decisions. Uh, I mean, tactical decisions, I should say, on the advice of the military and commanders on the ground and the timeline they needed to uh, wind down our presence. And hence, here we are. It was his timeline, though. It was not the Taliban's timeline. So he moved up the timeline to August 31st. We needed 120 days, and we abided by the advice of the military. You know what? Again, these are lies. So you heard the president earlier in the speech say, my predecessor had a May deadline. I had it. I had no choice because otherwise the Taliban onslaught would have occurred. So then I moved it to uh, September 11th. Uh, But then I moved it to August 31st. But it was my choice. But I had no choice. The Taliban was going to kill everybody if I moved it. But I moved it and it was my decision. But I had no choice because the Taliban would have killed everybody. So there was no way I could extend the deadline. Taliban would have killed everybody. My decision to move the deadline. But Trump, I couldn't move it because of Trump. All over the place. They're all over the place, this White House. They, it's like they forget what they said five minutes ago. They, ha- they forget what they said five minutes ago, but we don't forget, and we're not going to let them forget. Jeff? Uh, Jen, does, can you clarify whether the United States has an agreement with the Taliban to allow more Americans and other Afghans to leave the country? Well, I will say, Jeff, that it is our not just our expectation, but also the expectation of 100 countries around the world, the U.N. Security Council and others, Taliban that the care. Taliban, Taliban will abide care. by what they committed Taliban to last Friday, care what those which is the ability think, of people to leave Afghanistan should they choose to leave. They think we're uh, all there infidels. There do need to be ongoing diplomatic negotiation or discussions, I should say. That's a part of what the Secretary of State and his team will be leading. But I would note that uh, the Taliban conveyed that on Friday, a leader of the Taliban. Uh, Again, more than half of the countries in the world have conveyed clearly what they expect, and the UN Security Council signed a resolution yesterday. So those are the diplomatic pieces that have moved forward, but this will be a top priority in the days ahead. The president was critical today and has been critical of President Trump's, former President Trump's deal with the Taliban. Given that, I'm wondering if this administration or this president gave any consideration to not holding on to former President Trump's special envoy to Afghanistan who stayed on. Uh, look, I think the, the president wanted to be clear about what he was left when he took office, and he laid that out very clearly in his speech. Uh, but just to reiterate, since you gave me a couple an opportunity, a couple of the points. Um, when the president took office, there was a deadline that was just three months away that included— Okay, ready? Here comes the contradictions. Get ready for it. Here we go. She's looking down at her notes. So here are the contradictions. We're all going to play dumb and pretend like— A, the date was, we could not move this date. B, we could move the date. And then C, we did move the date, but it was Joe Biden's fault. But then we moved the date again, and it wasn't, and it was Trump's fault. And, uh, oh, look, a pigeon. For May 1st, that included no requirement that the Taliban work out a cooperative governing agreement with the Afghan government. It did release 5,000 prisoners last year, including some of the Taliban's top war commanders. So the president was walking into that circumstance. Uh, He wanted to leave Afghanistan. It's a war he has long felt we needed to depart from. He's he's felt that was long overdue. Uh, But that was the circumstance he walked into. And frankly, there's a little bit of selective memory loss from some of the people who served in the last administration about these circumstances. Sick burn. Like the president has no memory loss. Like this guy has no memory loss. Jed, I'm going to go on a limb here. I'm going to offer a suggestion. Those who live in glass houses don't throw stones. I think making jokes about people's memories or slick burns about people's memories 
sick burns, maybe I'm just going to, maybe you want to try to find a different way to go after people. Again, I'm just going to say, I'm throwing it out there. Considering the president forgot, well, probably which shoes he put on this morning, on which feet. So why don't we not play the game of, of the memory game? All right, Jen? All right, Snarks? That the Afghan envoy, the U.S. envoy to Afghanistan, who served under President Trump, why did President Biden hold on to him? The president has made changes where he saw fit and has not made changes where he felt the person continued to be the right person for the job. That's not Why wasn't he bound decision. by to that guy like Go he ahead. was bound to the May 3rd, 1st uh, deadline? So we heard from the National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan this morning from Marine America. He's mentioned that 98% of those on the ground there in Afghanistan and a small number who remained, they have reached out. Uh, they got out, you know, as many people as, as they could. Um, is the administration essentially placing blame on Americans who could not get to the airport in time? Yes. Uh, I think what the president yes. stated clearly, and I know You're that Jake Sullivan has stated Americans. clearly, and our secretary of state has stated clearly, is that our commitment remains. Uh, there is not an end to our commitment to American citizens who are in Afghanistan who want to leave. That's the same for any country in the world, for American citizens who want to leave and want to come home to the United States. It's also important for people to note and understand what the process has been and what we've undergone over the past few months. And that's what the president laid out. Uh, and we think it's still important for the American people here in the United States to understand that. One on Al-Qaeda. So we heard from the president a few moments ago saying that one of the main reasons to go into this war was to get Al-Qaeda. We have heard that Osama bin Laden's security chief has reportedly returned to Afghanistan and has been seen in public. Do you still believe, or does the administration believe, that Al-Qaeda is no longer a threat to America? And given the ISIS attacks that we've seen in the last week, how confident is the administration that Afghanistan isn't already a safe haven for terrorists? It is safe well, I think first there is a very big difference between terrorist ability to attack U.S. troops in Kabul and to attack the homeland. And we, have, we do not assess that any terrorist group on the ground has the ability to attack the homeland in the United States. It is incumbent upon the president, the national security team to prevent that. Does she not remember 9-11 out of curiosity? Did they attack us from Afghanistan? Did I miss that? Or, or any other country in the Middle East? Or did they attack us here in the United States of America? I think maybe Jen Psaki forgets that point. We didn't, they didn't attack us from there. The, the Taliban gave Al-Qaeda safe harbor, but they didn't fire the... The planes didn't take off from Kabul. That hit the World Trade Center. So that's not the point that they're asking. They're, the point that they're asking is, has Afghanistan become now a place where terrorists can now train and roam and have camaraderie and sit around and discuss their virgins in heaven and how many virgins they're going to get and, you know, fantasize about their virgins when they go and they, you know, become martyrs, these crazy savages. It's not a question of attacking us. Nobody thinks we're going to get attacked from Afghanistan. Nobody thinks that. Nobody even, again, these are what the Biden White House does all the time. They do these false choices, these false, well, you know, it's not like the Afghanistan. I mean, they can attack us. <laughs> what a silly question. That's not her question. Her question is, is Afghanistan becoming a safe haven for terrorists? And the answer from Richard Engel, which I played you a few minutes ago, was yes. Yes, it is. Al-Qaeda's back. ISIS is back. The Taliban's back. Let's, let's not pretend like all these people hate each other. They don't. They don't. They're all the same. They're all united in the same crazy Islamic jihadist nutjob mission. We're all the infidels. 
stop with this idea that, oh, yeah, you know, if they can't reach us from Afghanistan, we're good. That's not the question. Ever being the case, but there is a very big difference between those two. Right. We're just kind of wrong. the military obviously uh, recommended to the president, or at least you said he rec- they recommended to the president that uh, it would be best to leave, uh, keep that August 31st deadline. But the president himself, you know, in his interview with ABC News, said uh, that if there's American citizens left, quote, we're going to stay until we get them all out. Exactly. Uh, yep. I think the president's understand or explained his rationale for leaving 100 plus Americans behind. But can you talk about uh, why he allowed his credibility on this issue to sort of go out the door on making a flat promise and then not keeping it? Good question. Well, First, good I would say that the president remains committed to getting every American citizen who wants to get out out. That's that's an enduring commitment, one that will that's not, not the change, question. and one that we're going to focus on every single day. Uh, I would also note um, that over the course of the last two weeks, uh, we have seen a terrorist attack that took the lives of 13 of our service members. And there was an asse- and part of our, our assessment always is going to be uh, the risks, a uh, risk assessment. So I think the question was, do you leave 6,000 service members as there are uh, heightening threats, heightening risks every single day? Or do you, do you work through a diplomatic right process and efforts to ensure you know that we will have the is? ability to get these American citizens out? That's let, me the- ex- let me explain how, how incredibly dangerous this is. What Jen Psaki is saying to the world right now is that we were worried about losing our troops. The greatest military in the world was worried about losing its troops. And so we made a decision to abandon Americans in Afghanistan to bring our troops home because we're so worried about what ISIS-K could do to our troops that we had to leave. She is doing such a disservice to our military right now because what Jen Psaki is doing, what this White House is doing, what Biden is doing is projecting weakness to the world. We were so afraid of these lunatic ISIS-K people that we had to leave. We had to take our military and leave. Even though we still had a lot of Americans on the ground. Even though we said we wouldn't leave until we got them all out. We lost 13 people and that's it. We said we can't lose anymore and we know we will because we know these guys can beat us. So we had to leave. So the world's greatest military abandoned its own civilians because it was afraid that these nutjob terrorists would, would beat them, would kill more of them. She is projecting such an air of weakness right now in front of the world, and it is pathetic. It is pathetic what she's doing right now. It is dangerous what she's doing. Because our enemies hear that and they think, oh, okay, so if there's enough of a threat, they'll just leave. They'll just run. They'll, they'll just run away. Do you remember what Biden said? Biden pledged to stay until everybody was home. You remember this? I played it this morning, but I'll play it again. You've got like ten to 15,000 Americans in the country right now, right? And are you committed to making sure that the troops stay until every American who wants to be out yes. is out? Yes. How about our Afghan allies? Does the commitment hold for them as well? The commitment holds to get everyone out that, in fact, we can get out and everyone should come out. And that's the objective. That's what we're doing now. That's the path we're on. And I think we'll get there. So Americans should understand that troops might have to be there beyond August 31st. No, Americans should understand that we're going to try to get it done before August 31st. But if we don't. The troops will if stay. we don't, we'll determine at the time who's left. And? And if, American force, if there's American citizens left, we're going to stay till we get them all out. 
Well, there was the commitment right there. We're going to stay until all Americans are out. And you know, there are a lot of Americans right now uh, who are outside of Kabul. They're, they're- okay. And now we know that there are still people trapped in Afghanistan. Still people that have the intention to leave trapped in Afghanistan. That's what the president said earlier. Now we believe that about 100 to 200 Americans remain in Afghanistan with some intention to leave. Okay. Some intention to leave. We, but we're abandoning them. We're abandoning them. That's what we're doing now. The bottom line, 90% of Americans in Afghanistan who wanted to leave were able to leave. Okay, so now Snarks says, well, even though the president said, we'll stay until everybody can leave. And even though the president acknowledges just a few moments ago before she got up there, there's still Americans there who want to leave. We had to adjust because of terrorists. We were afraid the United States military would lose more people. So we had to tuck tail and run and leave our people behind. Do you understand how incredibly dangerous this is to project to our enemies around the world? Do you understand how dangerous this is to project to Russia and China and all the other crazy people in the world? Iran, North Korea, etc. We will run if the threat is real enough. The United States military will pack it in and leave. We'll break our promises. We'll abandon our people. We'll run. If the threat's real enough, the world's greatest military will run and leave. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I don't even know what you say to that. I don't even know what you say to that. How many Americans got out today that were trapped? Do we have a number? All these people were in touch with SMS, GPS, WhatsApp, chat, whatever. How many got out today, Jen? On Afghanistan, um, is there any sense of if and how many Americans might have left today? Is there even a way to track that for the U.S. government at this point? Well, I will say we remain in touch through a range of means of communication, email, text, WhatsApp. Uh, That's uh, something that we could certainly do from here, but also having a presence in Doha and diplomats in the region will enable that to happen uh, locally or or close by as well. Uh, I don't have an update for you on the numbers, um, but uh, that's something the State Department would have the best assessment of. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so, you know, we don't really know exactly. Don't really know exactly. And, you know, the Taliban's helping us. But so so we heard Biden said the Taliban onslaught was coming. Now, Jake Sullivan, the national security advisor, refuses to even say the Taliban. Just on those lines, what is the Taliban? Are they now our frenemy? Are they our adversary? Are they our enemy? Are they our what what are are they? they? Right. What are they? Well, it's hard to put a label on it, in part because we have yet to see what they are going to be now that they are in control, physical control of Afghanistan. It's hard to put a label on what the Taliban is right now. I mean, you know, obviously, obviously. Now, South Jersey Democrat, Democratic Andy Kim, let me set this up for you. Uh, had over 11,000 evacuation requests. This is today, Tuesday. Now, remember, this guy's in a tough reelection fight. Hang on. Smart, funny podcast. This is the Rich Zioli Podcast. I had to take a shot. Just kidding. This guy's in a tough re-election fight in South Jersey. He's saying now he had over 11,000 requests for, for evacuation from Afghanistan. And many are still in the country. Many of them are still out there. Okay? This is 
what I mean about Democrats and Republicans have been condemning this. And for Democrats, this is really bad for them politically, as it should be. Member of the Armed Services Committee. He worked in Afghanistan as an advisor to Generals David Petraeus and John Allen. Congressman, good morning and thank you for being with us. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Sure. Let me start with the most urgent piece of this, at least this morning. I know you've been in touch with the State Department over the last few weeks about some of the more than 10,000 evacuation requests your office has received. What is the update this morning? Any new word you can tell us about? Uh, you're right. My office, um, you know, we've been inundated. We've now hit over 11,000 evacuation requests. Uh, the ones that we've been pushing the hardest on right now uh, are the Americans that we still know there uh, in Afghanistan. And I'll tell you, it's, it was, uh, it's been really tough for the last few days, you know, just hearing how difficult it's been for them. They've been, many of them have been stuck outside the airport gates for hours and, you know, now that the, the final planes have left, uh, they are left with a lot of concern about what comes next. And mm-hmm. they have a lot of questions. So, you know, we as a nation need to respond. Can you share anything specifically about the messages that you're getting? Anything that has stuck with you over the last 24 hours or so? I think that there was there was a, a question on there. You know, it was just the sheer desperation of, of some of these families. I mean, one of these families has a four-year-old child that's an American citizen, and it's tough. You know, I got a four-year-old kid, too, and I would, you know, move mountains to be able to try to get my kid to safety. So, you know, to, to think about these families, you know, they're, they're going through these Taliban checkpoints trying to get to the airport, and they're like 50 feet away from the gate. You know, they, they, they can, they're so close to be able to get out of there. And to have that not come together... And have, uh, for them to be running low on their cell phone batteries and, and feel like they have to get back to, the, to their home, that's tough. It really is. And uh, I, I, I just I urge us to do everything humanly possible to communicate clearly to them about how we're going to get them out. Well, you know what? Biden said that you just have to go to the Taliban. Just go find your friendly neighborhood Taliban guy. They're, they're, they're the ones in the yellow vests with the how can I help you sign. Like the Walmart greeters, the Taliban. Just go up to them and say, hi, I just, I'm trying to get home. That's all. The Taliban promised safe passage. The world's watching. Just go up to them. They're wearing the neon yellow vests. How can I help you? They have the smiley face pins on. Hello. Hi. My name is Ahmed. Come. Hello. How can I help you? And you just go up to them and say, hello. That's it. That's all you got to do. That's it. Just say that. Hi. Hello, Mr. Ahmed. How are you, sir? Good to meet you. That's an actual name. Within the Taliban community, I don't, you know, because some woke snowflake will be writing a letter. It's an actual name. Anyway, just go up to him and say hello and just and say, hey, listen, I heard uh, on the radio broadcast. uh, You'll get me out of here. So get me out of here. Can you can you do that for me, sir, please? And can you? Oh, and here's my buddy. He was a translator in the war, but we heard your radio broadcast. He gets safe passage, too. All right. Oh, go over here. Is this the waiting area? Wait, okay, yeah. Waiting, oh, there's a Cinnabon. Oh, great, fantastic, an airport Cinnabon. Oh, yeah, this is going to be fun. I'm excited for this. This will be great. Do you believe this world we're living in right now? Do, do, you, do you believe this insanity and the lies coming out of this White House, the contradictions and the lies? I just can't. I really can't. What a disgrace. What a disgrace. We we're projecting cowardice to the world. We left our people behind. What a sad day today is for America. It really is. And I feel like tomorrow is going to be another day of frustration for us, but 
We're trying to get through it. Hope you found this podcast enjoyable. Please rate it. Please like it. If you don't like it, keep it to yourself. Mama Zioli always said, you know, if you can't say something nice, baby. Hey, have a great day, really. And seriously, thank you for listening. Thank you. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 